episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. Jacob, there is one game I know you'd love to talk about on air. We're not going to talk about that game. Uh, instead, we're going to talk about the Lakers game against the Grizzlies on Sunday. Uh, it was a 108-94 win. Uh, did not look like the most energized game to start, certainly not for the Lakers, but uh, they managed to pull that one out. But before we talk about the game, uh, I will let you make one comment on the other game, and then we will move on. I See, listen, I was going to jump right into it regardless. You weren't going to stop me. Um, I just want the record to show that uh, Saturday night, the night before we recorded this, Christian said, I hope City win. To make you feel better, because IU lost on Saturday. It was frustrating. So you got what you asked for. We we destroyed you, so you're welcome, basically. And for any soccer fans listening, um, Manchester City beat Chelsea. And honestly, like, if they would have won, I would have been, like, catapulted into this false sense of optimism that they're actually going to co- <laughs> compete for the league title. This is honestly better for me and my mental health in two ways. One, my expectations have never been lower. So each win from here on out is just going to feel like I won the, the premier league. And two, it sounds like Chelsea are getting closer to pushing Lampard out after Sunday's performance. So I'd say it's, you know, a lose win, if you will. Um, (laughs) I like it. (laughs) <laughs> but now that we got that out of the way, we can jump right in uh, to talking about the Lakers. The La- they started the game out pretty well. An 8-0 lead to start the game in the Lakers' favor, and it, it just sem- seemed like with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. out, this was going to be an absolute blowout. Uh, the Lakers had everybody but Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso healthy. LeBron James and Anthony Davis were in the lineup, and you had starter Kyle Kuzma in the lineup. Uh, in and, full force on, yeah. <laughs> on Sunday, too. Uh, so it, it looked like it was going to be a blowout, and then out of nowhere, the Grizzlies just go on this monster 20 to nothing run uh, and lead the Lakers by 12 points midway through the, the first quarter. I was stunned that that all of that unfolded, but they found their way back. Uh, and I think a big part of, of what they were able to do on Sunday had to do with Montrez Harrell. Harrell ended the game with 16 points, nine rebounds, and two steals. Uh, it wasn't like he checked in and everything changed. Like, they obviously had to build to the point where, you know, the whatever net positive the bench could be, uh, they had to climb all the way back for them to be able to be a, a net positive, but... Uh, I, I thought he had another great game. He's somebody who, you know, the, when it came to fit and just the signing overall, I was, you know, it it was very much a thing, in my opinion, that the Lakers saw that he was available. And just because of how talented he was, they went after him. 
fit was always a big question mark. Um, but with how hard he's played uh, and, and how well he's fed off of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I think, you know, he, he's been a lot better than I thought he would be at this stage of the season. So every point you made is true, and I want to talk about Trez, but I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit if we don't well, okay. talk yeah. about LeBron's fourth quarter. Because well, We're building to it. Okay. because Well, I want to lead with that because sometimes I almost feel like, to a certain extent, what he does is expected. And what I think it was Kevin O'Connor who always used to say, don't take LeBron James for granted. Obviously, Lakers fans aren't taking him for granted, but there's times where it's like, we just almost expect him to do certain things that I don't know what it was about today, but just kind of like sitting back and watching LeBron in that fourth quarter was incredible. Just doing whatever he want, wherever he wanted against whoever, whoever he wanted. Like I loved, I think it was uh, Billy Mack and Stu Lance who called his three from the logo, the bear claw three. Like I love that. Uh, he was unbelievable. Thirteen points in the fourth quarter. Five of six. Two of three from three. Two rebounds. Two assists. Uh, we saw a little bit of the LeBron and AD pick and roll, which always feels like a special treat because we never get to see it. <laughs> so, I everything you said about Trez is fine. I just felt like we needed to lead with LeBron James first. So it's it's funny because. When I think when you talk about teams flipping the switch, it's usually just like teams locking in and and carrying, like it just finishing off the game. LeBron James flipped the switch on Sunday. Like that's not oh, to yeah. say everybody else didn't raise their level of play. I think when LeBron James is having, you know, one of those nights, you're kind of forced to play to his level. Um, but to be fair to them, it is impossible to play to that level. Uh, even, you know, as dominant as Anthony Davis can be, there's just nothing quite like watching LeBron James take over a game. Had 13 points in the fourth quarter, uh, five of six shooting from the field, two or three shooting from three, and, uh, excuse me, um, and also picked up two assists, two rebounds, and a steal. I I almost felt bad for the Grizzlies because... <laughs> They obviously, as I mentioned at the at the top of the show, they were missing Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And without those two guys, you have absolutely no answer for LeBron James going off the way he did. And, you know, once you get the LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll going, it's like, you know, even with Morant and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. there, there was no stopping that. Um, it was a freight train headed towards another win their third straight uh and it, it's you know with how this season has gone how how quickly it started no fans being in the stadiums although <laughs> if you're in memphis or or you know san antonio there are some fans in attendance but um they're, they're scattered around new orleans had some the other night as well and gave brain and ingram mvp chance <laughs> It for the most part for the viewers at home, it's just it's not the same experience. Um, but this and we we can talk a little bit about it. But this game and 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 seeing the way LeBron James took over in the fourth quarter, 
and seeing Steph Curry just go berserk uh, against the Portland Trailblazers, it was a good night of basketball, and it felt good to be able to to enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, some of the times we almost take these like performances for granted. We're really in like a not to get too big picture, but we're in like a golden age of basketball right yeah. now. <laughs> like there's are there are some absolutely incredible talents. Uh, arguably the greatest player of all time. Um, a guy like Steph, who's probably the best shooter of all time. Um, I'm not going to go naming people because I'm sure I'll leave people out. Durant is one of the most incredible, unique players we've ever seen, stuff like that. So it feels like every night somebody has some like great player has that type of performance. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with the Lakers and kind of flipping the switch, it seems more like, I mean, I guess part of it's flipping a switch, but it just feels like they consistently get off the slow starts and then decide, all right, fine, I guess we'll take this team seriously, or all right, we'll get into the game. They, I believe Alex Regla tweeted this after the game, or it was late in the fourth quarter. So they gave up 36 points um, in the first quarter. where The Lakers were down 11, and they gave up, I believe it was I had 58 points the rest of the way um, from the, well, I had it set, but they were, and it was really odd. Cause like, like you said, they, they, it looked like they were going to be in control and this was going to be the easy game everyone expected. And then they just were like, they gave up that 17 to nothing run Um and lost control of the game. But over the final three quarters, the Grizzlies shot 35% from the field and three of 24 from three. Um, When this team kind of does that switch flip, um, I mean, I still think they're in a tier of their own in in the NBA among the, the, the contenders. Like, I still think they're better than anyone at their best. But as you said, they're still kind of figuring out the best because they're still trying to work guys like Trez in. Um, Wes Matthews has finally hit his groove last couple games. Uh, he had 14 points on Sunday against the Grizzlies. Uh, Schroeder has played well, but I, I've you can notice him and Montrez trying to get um, kind of their chemistry down a bit and stuff. So there is some integration. I think in some senses it's almost better to have uh, all these games like smashed in because really a lot of these things the Lakers need to do, you can really only learn with game reps. Like Trez and Schroeder are really only going to gain chemistry in the pick and roll, running the pick and roll against opponents. So I mean, and that things like that, it's it's good to get to just keep playing games. I think maybe in general it might be a a thing with veteran teams because they know the mistakes, they can watch film and fix some of those things on the fly. Younger teams, um, it might hurt not be as easy to fix those things on the fly, but um, it's been interesting to see. The Lakers integrating these pieces, 
have a couple. They've obviously had a couple speed bumps along the way. That Blazers game last week was frustrating, um, but I think overall it's been encouraging what they've been able to do. I mean, I keep banging on the drum. If nothing else, Trez is a ton of fun to watch. Like all yeah. that energy he has is just so much fun to watch. Do you know what's crazy to me is you look at it's a young season. The the Lakers have only played seven games, but you look at the early team metrics. The Lakers are third in offensive rating. I believe after all the games were were played on Sunday night. They're sixth in defensive rating, second in net rating. And this is a team that's playing at maybe 50 to 60% right now. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I shouldn't say I don't know. This is a team that won a championship. We saw what can happen when they're playing their most motivated basketball and uh, are, have a championship on the line. But with this team, for them to be accomplishing what they are, and it still feels like they still haven't scratched the surface with with last year's team felt like they got clicking right away they were actually really good right away and then when the trade deadline came around it was like our i mean before the season was suspended obviously i felt like they were turning a corner and and getting ready to accomplish something special with this team it feels like they're having you know, a relatively easy time winning games while still having no idea what they're doing on both <laughs> ends of the floor. And I think if you're a fan of another basketball team, if you're if you're a player on another team, that has to terrify you. Yeah. And I mean we talked last week a lot about Mark Gasol and him trying to integrate into the team. I think they've done a lot better job using him. Um but I mean that was something that they were think like the third game into the season before they were kind of figuring out how to do that so there's just so much talent and so much depth which is the other thing we mentioned we've seen it in practice caruso has been out for i think almost exactly a week now uh i don't was a blazer game the first game he missed i think um last week and tht stepped up into those yeah minutes he played 24 minutes on Sunday. At times, he looked like a young guy who basically didn't play last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had a couple wild moments. I remember a layup specifically. He drove from the left side across the lane and tried this like scooping layup that wasn't even close. He still has those moments. Again, it's a lot easier to correct those after a win. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It's just interesting to watch his team, um, like you said, be able to figure this stuff out. It seems like there's a, a lot of talking as they go to sideline for timeouts. I remember specifically, I don't know when in the game it was, but there was a moment where they were going to a timeout and LeBron and Mark Gasol were like real and T- like we're talking to one another. It was just a lot of motions. You could tell that it was like a basketball thing they were talking about, like where to be, who's cutting, where they're going, stuff like that. Like I think those two are going to be an absolute joy to watch together Yeah. once they get some of this stuff figured out. And, I mean, um, it'll take time, but, I mean, we're still seeing those flashes, those moments. Um, even – 
even while they're trying to figure things out, I mean, we didn't mention, obviously, KCP's out with his injury, um, which, again, starter coups, we talked about it last week. He had started a game. <laughs> um, starter coups, again, in the first quarter tonight was on fire, three of four from three, nine points in the first quarter. Um, literally just start him <laughs> playing for six minutes and then give him his regular rotation, I guess. I don't know. It's wild. It It's one of those things where I guess he gets up for – some guys are made to be starters. Some guys are made to come off the bench. Like Lou Williams is always going to be a guy that can drop – 20 off the bench unless it's a playoffs. Um, but even as they're, as the team's kind of figuring this stuff out like that, the starting lineup still only played 68 minutes together. The starting lineup, obviously including KCP and they still have a 24.2 net rating. That starting lineup has a 133.3 offensive rating so far this season. Like it is you, <laughs> terrifying might be the right word for what this team can become because they can only, they're only going to go up from here. They still have a relatively easy schedule. Um, the next run of games, they have the Grizzlies again tomorrow. When you're listening to this, they have the Spurs after that, who are not great. Everybody Lakers fans watch them. And then, I mean, you have a run of like the bulls, you have a, a two game series with the Rockets. Um, the thunder aren't good. The Pelicans are always an interesting team, but um, then the Warriors. So, I mean, they have a run of games here where they can still figure the, this stuff out where they're not playing in a Clippers, a Nets, a Nuggets, Heat, something like that, a team that they're going to be competing at the highest level with. So um, it's just it's it's fun and it's fascinating both to watch this team on a game-to-game basis as they um, – as there's new little subtle things that seem they're added each night from maybe it's Gasol or maybe it's Trez, maybe it's Schroeder, maybe it's Wes Matthews. I thought he played one of his best games, um, at least when you're considering offense and defense today, um, one of if not his best game today. So – it's wild to think how much better this team can be. I mean, they're they're short-handed right now, and they just they didn't care for <laughs> however many minutes. Gave up a how many teams can give up a seventeen to nothing run and still win going away by the end of the night? Yeah, I. I, mean, I don't know what else you can say about this team. Um, I, I mean, I say that, and then there's also. If you watch back the tape, there's so much they can still improve upon, especially on the defensive end. I think offensively, we knew this team was going to be all right. And the fact that, you know, they have the third most productive offense in the NBA at this stage of the season is about where I thought they'd be. The fact that they're sixth in defensive rating and will likely only continue to climb up, I think will be. Frank, Vogel, Frank Vogel's biggest accomplishment this season. If he can get them back into that top three and and keep them there with this roster, with you know a, a different look than they had last season. Frank said the other day that you know this isn't going to be one of those prolific shot blocking teams. Like 
JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis, you're going to get blocks for days. Anthony Davis only had his first, like, block of the season four games into the season, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, What I'm really interested to see is, one, Marcus All continuing to get integrated with the team because I think as time passes, you'll see him get more involved on offense, whether that's as, uh, you know, somebody they use in the pick and pop or you know, somebody that just makes plays in, in the high post on Sunday, he had 7.6 rebounds, four assists and a steal. That is the type of Marcus all stat line. I expect to see going forward. Uh, and then beyond that, when Alex Caruso comes back and, and Contavious Caldwell Pope starts to get his regular minutes, I want to see how that, bench rotation and the rotation as a whole looks with Davis Caldwell Pope is obviously playing really well right now. Uh, Wesley Matthews is finally starting to hit shots, which is, you know, wonderful because I made a joke um, amongst our friend group the other day that Lakers fans were when, when Wesley Matthews was signed, the the general question was how much worse than Danny green can he actually be? <laughs> And then, like, through the first four games of the season, Wesley Matthews didn't hit a three-pointer. Now, Danny Green wasn't hitting in Philly either, though, to be fair. He he hit more than one. uh, Yes. But, yeah, Wesley Matthews, in spite of not making a uh, three-point shot through his first four games, it's catching up to Danny Green, uh, who anybody that hasn't checked in on Danny through six games has shot 28% from three on 4.2 attempts per game. Uh, I do not believe basketball references updated Wesley Matthews. Um, but, yeah, Wesley Matthews is already back up to 37.5% from three, and that's not even including uh, his game from Sunday. So it's it's all looking good again. The guard rotation, guards are doing everything they're supposed to be doing. I'm interested to see... With the remainder of those minutes, how they're split up between Alex Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker, because uh, Taylor, while still very raw offensively, kind of makes unintelligent uh, decisions on offense. Like he definitely has a nose for the basket. Uh, he likes attacking the rim, and you know when he does shoot, it is usually a contested shot some sort of fadeaway that looks really pretty when it goes in and and you know very confusing when it doesn't go in uh alex crusoe on the other hand plays it safe uh is solid on offense solid on defense how you mix those two and get them involved without you know getting one out of rhythm i think it is one of the many challenges uh frank vogel has with this team and that, and even that being said, the fact that there is still so much to figure out, and they're playing so well, uh, I think they have the best winning percentage in the NBA with the Clippers right now. Um, I, I, I just have such high hopes for this team, and you know they've lived up to most of the hype so far. Still feels weird that uh, you're the one with all the optimism about this team. <laughs> I mean. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Like, if you're playing devil's advocate, I mean, you mentioned some things. What is the biggest weakness with this Lakers team? Like, what would opponents be able to exploit most right now? 
Well, I think that all depends on how Frank Vogel plays his cards. Um, we saw against the Trailblazers the other night that going with Trez in extended stretches, particularly in that fourth quarter, uh, defenses are going to look for him. And I understand that Anthony Davis doesn't want to be banging with centers in the regular season, but you you just cannot close games with Montrez Harrell. Uh, you cannot build those habits going into the postseason because if you do, you can end up like the Clippers did in the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, I don't know if LeBron James and Anthony Davis would you know, let those games slip away like the Clippers did. Uh, yeah. But I, I, generally speaking, I think it's bad practice to leave Trez out there too long. Uh, and I think all of my concerns with the Lakers start on the defensive end. Like the fact that they're not going to be uh, a shot blocking team and, and don't have you know, especially good athletes at, at the center position this year is a little concerning, but you know, if Marcus Alkin can continue to get his legs back under him and, you know, get to those spots that he's so good at getting to on a regular basis, uh, I, I think, you know, that would do wonders to kind of ease any concerns I have, but yeah, defense is, you know, what the Lakers hung their hat on. It's, it's what they won the championship with last season and I think, you know, if they're going to repeat, the defense has to be as good as that offense. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a different kind of strategy. I mean, they did it last season. It wasn't like they were really funneling teams to the rim. They were top ten and lowest uh, percentage of shots allowed at the rim last year defensively. It's kind of a weird way of saying it, but basically they just didn't allow teams to get to the rim. And if they did, like you said, um, teams didn't shoot very well at the rim either. So, um, but still, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a different philosophy they're going to have to employ defensively this year. Um, I'm, I, I certainly understand the concerns about the Blazer game and playing Trez too much. It was literally straight out of the Clippers – playbook last season, leaving him in for just a really long time. Um, I hope we didn't give him too much PTSD. Um, but interestingly, going back to the the defense for a second, as I pulled up the numbers, they're not allowing teams to get to the rim nearly as much this season, even still. Yeah. Um, they are eighth in the league in frequency allowed, and they are – um, seventh in field goal percentage at the rim. So they're adjusting. I would say with regards to kind of the trez and stuff like that, I I can kind of see it both ways in that um, I'm really – I'm not too worried about that aspect because, as we've mentioned before, Vogel is a lot more willing to make adjustments – then Doc, like a lot of coaches, are a lot more willing to make adjustments than Doc. Um, and you, we've seen in the playoffs when it comes down to it, it's almost certainly going to be AD and LeBron at the four and the five. So I chalk a lot of that up to AD not wanting to bang. And, I mean, honestly, it seems like AD's treated this first, what has it been, a week and a half 
like it's still the preseason. Right. Um, he hasn't exactly exerted himself a ton. Again, I'm not going to blame any of these guys for that because the turnaround was so wild, so quick. I think there was a – I'm not sure where they're at now, but, like, the four conference finalists from last year were, like, barely 500 through the first week of the season, and most of that was the Lakers. Um, so Miami is 2-3. and three. Uh, Who they play? Boston is 4-3. and three. Um, the Lakers and the Lakers are five and two and the Clippers are five and two. So it's been a, it's been rough for everyone. The standings are just weird in general right now, but, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of what I'm most concerned about with this team. I would probably lean toward the defense just because it was so good last season and you're replacing such big parts of that. But even then when the chips were down and they're playing the heat in game six, like Dwight and JaVale weren't out there. Um, you still have all the pieces Rondo excluded really from the team that was on the court winning the finals. So ultimately I'm not even really worried about that. Um, I guess making keeping guys healthy, everybody's going to be banged up at some point this year. And then just ironing out those small things defensively to whether it's change your approach, whatever they're going to have to do. But I mean, honestly, outside of that, things will come up. I don't want to sound this cocky, but like this team's really, really damn good. Yeah. I, th- I think that's where I'm at too. It's uh, it's hard not to to feel confident about about this team when you look at you know the talent on the roster and the way that the guys on the bench have stepped up in the absence of some of those key role players. Um, I don't know if it's a product of the system or you know just the quality of players they have, but I mean regardless, they you know they've done everything right. They played the right way and. Um, I'm I'm going to continue to enjoy watching them play basketball this season. I hope um, it's very early into the season. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, we took we've taken a couple different times segments to laugh at the Clippers, but I would like to take a moment to laugh at a different quote unquote rival, um, the Kings on the court. A lot of fun, <laughs> team exciting, <laughs> off the court. The parent of apparently every player on the Kings once Marvin Bagley traded after Marvin Bagley's dad once him traded. Uh, all these parent Marvin Bagley's dad is apparently LeVar Ball 2.0. So <laughs> big shout out to the Kings who even, even when they can seemingly get things right on the court are still the Kangs and still have an absolute mess of a situation right now. Two things. One, this could have all been settled by Marvin Bagley saying what Lonzo and LaMelo have said several times. My dad is his own man. I have no control over what that guy says. Like, I am also my own man. Marvin Bagley said, uh, you know, essentially don't ask about what happened. Um, 
And then somebody asks him if he has an open line of communication with Luke Walton. And he's like, yeah, but that's none of your guys' business, like what we talk <laughs> about. And it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Just say you want to be with the organization. Like, come on. Um, yeah, that's weird. That's that's number one. Uh, number two, I I don't know how many people would still have their jobs if their fathers could just tweet willy-nilly at their employers. Oh, Lord. Yeah, no. That would be, yeah. I didn't think of that. Good Lord. Yeah. Especially, like, certainly not, like, commenters or people that reply to some of my tweets. My employers, I'm less worried about. The people on Twitter, the kind, the the stuff that, like, uh, the beefs that they would get into, perhaps. Um, So, yeah, I feel for Marvin Bagley, but he's also not doing anything to dig himself out of the hole. And then, for some reason... Uh, I was going to say Zach Fox because he popped up on my <laughs> timeline, but uh, Darren Fox, his dad, also chimed in uh, saying to to trade. I don't know if he was referring to Bagley's dad or Bagley, but if you assume they're one and the same, it just seems like everybody but probably the Kings wants Marvin Bagley out of Sacramento. <laughs> uh, just when they thought that getting rid of Bogdanovich would clear <laughs> clear any playing controversies and whatnot and steps Marvin Bagley. Uh, that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back with more Lakers basketball talk next week. Uh, I hope you guys all had a great year. I'm looking for, forward to this year in Lakers basketball, and you know, hopefully it ends with another title and uh, – and more fun stuff for us to talk about. So that'll do it for this week. We'll see you next time.